When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan and something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. I'm very excited to be joined on the Coaching Coordinator podcast by the defensive coordinator at Baylor, Ron Roberts. Coach Roberts, it's great to be talking ball with you. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Coach, as I said, uh, a lot of coaches know who you are and the biographical data, so we're going to forego some of that, and we're going to get right into a lot of questions that we've gotten from our listeners. So I'm going to start off right away with a question from Coach Adam Robertson, and his first question was, when you're game planning, are you – more concerned with personnel groupings, formations, players, or a combination of those things? Well, it's, it's going to be a combination. The first thing I tell, you know, obviously is what, if I'm, how I'm calling things is obviously you go by what, what information am I going to have coming in the game? You know I mean? The first thing I, all I've got is down distance and then what personnel comes in the game. So as I'm calling it, how's I'm going to get it? So it's down distance and I say, okay, 11 personnel in the game. Then I can make my call, right? Sometimes people are fortunate they go slow enough where actually I can do the next part and say it's off of formation. You know, I can see the formation and then make the call. It depends on how tempo they're going if you're going to be able to do that. And then sometimes even throughout a game you can do that as they slow things down or you get more comfortable. So I kind of do it just kind of the same order we're going to do a game. So I'm going to start it off with personnel grouping on the field, right, and then making sure in that thing – how can we adjust all of our calls by for the formation that we're seeing and make sure first most that the numbers are right everywhere we're at. And then obviously do we have to have checks out of certain things because they do a formation that, you know, Hey, I make this, I make a certain call and you know, they go in a different formation and it's just, I mean, it's not a good call. So do we have to have those checks to get out of those formations? So yeah, it's just going down distance personnel and formations. 
you know, we talk about it with offensive coordinators all the time, Coach, about how much you carry into a game. And, you know, from the defensive perspective, and this is Coach Robertson's second question, how many fronts and blitzes do you carry per week or is the entire playbook at your disposal? So I'm going to go by down in distance. Not uh, To me, it's more of the situational. So in first and 10, you know, normal downs, I'm going to have probably six to seven calls I like on on those first and 10 situations, you know. And then when I call and kind of goes, and then we go into that second long. Those are differences. So then second long, you're not gonna have as many of those usually in a ball game. If you are, it's really good. So you're okay. So I'm gonna have somewhere around three or four, you know. And then as we get into the third short, I usually go over two, you know. Maybe have a third one. A, I come about plan A, plan B, and then oh crap, here comes plan C. You know, it didn't go well. So, so you got to have the C. Obviously, you're not repping the plan C as well. So maybe three on third and short. And then uh, I want to have somewhere around seven. To, I'm going to go – now, this will be a lot for a lot of people, but it's going to be somewhere between, I say, seven to ten different calls. Now, a lot of maybe the same coverage, just change the front. Some of them may be the same front, change the coverage. But total of maybe seven to eight calls on third down, third and medium to third long. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, carry. I, I think I think I carry, I carry quite a bit of defense in, you know. And then as we go through, the more mature our group is. Obviously, we'll have more at our disposal. The longer I'm sure. with them, the longer the more we'll have. As we go throughout the season, the more obviously we'll be available to go. Because it's always about what you can get executed. But you know, we we if you looked at our call sheet compared to a lot of people, they would say that you, you carry quite a bit in. And that's probably that's probably true. I think you know you you're looking at it. You know, from the same perspective that I think a lot of guys do, right? You 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 want to keep this stuff simple for the players so they can play fast, and you, so you don't want to have too much. But at the end of the day, you don't want an empty toolbox. So while it may seem like a lot of calls, I mean, some of those might not get called. You know, you hope you don't have to, and that you can focus on you know that certain grouping that you really feel you're best at, but. Hey, over over the course of the game, and I've been there in games, you know, before as an offensive coordinator, you know, getting to getting to a part of the call sheet and look at it and say, guys, we're out. Like, I, I've, we've tried everything. Like, these guys are, you know, they're they're a little bit better than us, and sometimes that happens. But you know, you want to have that toolbox. I don't think you can oversimplify it either. I agree completely. I, I know. I mean, I think that's always the discussion you always have. Every, maybe every year. I don't know if guys have it every year, but I think you can do it a while then. You know, it's you're still in, and early on, it was always a discussion of what's too much. You know, and what do you have? You know, what are you taking in? And that fine line, what it is. And I'm really at the, you know, at the point in my career where I'm like, you know, I'm not going in with with, with not having all my bullets ready to fire. I'm a I'm a fire I'm a fire in there guy. So. Now, from uh, just the, the pure mechanics of pulling that off in, in practice, and, you know, the, the technology obviously has evolved quite a bit from when we had to throw everything up on a chalkboard or write it down on a pad and take it out to practice. But, you know, the organization of that and looking at those situations, looking at what they do, maybe even potentially looking at and trying to, to say uh, this, you know, from what we've seen, this is probably their adjustment how are you making sure all that aligns as far as how you script the practice? I think you've got to classify those reps in the video room. Those are reps. We have walked through before practice. Those are reps. You know, there's reps in scale, not just all team reps. You know, there's reps in scale. There's reps in inside. There's reps in, obviously, in your team period throughout the week. But we kind of really probably – if you're going to, like I said, depending, if you're going to be a four, three quarters team, then you're probably going to be fine. You know, how are you going to get your reps in? I mean, that's just, that's not an issue, but if you're going to be a multiple defense and you're going to call multiple calls and you're going to have multiple fronts and odd and even and pressures and all of those stuff, then you have to utilize those walkthrough reps. They got to be, they're, they're, cru- they're crucial. And I think that what we will, we've done obviously being a multiple or a multiple defense. And we probably quite call quite a bit is that, uh, got more specific in our walkthroughs and what we've got done. But probably the last 15 years, our pre-practice walkthrough has been anywhere from 15, probably, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, sometimes gone to 20. 
but 10, depending on, like I said, if I'm the head coach or you're working for somebody, you don't know what you get, but you're fighting for it. So it's 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then how we utilize those reps is pretty crucial because if something looks, you know, a kid may not, you know, you, you get to work a certain route combination and the coverage versus this formation versus your ones, but do your twos get it? Your twos may get it one time. Well, you got to make sure they also got to get it five times and walk through, you know, and, and utilize that. I think when, you know, kind of that whole basic process where I just talked about, you know, it's the modality of learning, you know, you know, we, we spend so much time in, in, the, in the meeting rooms and stuff, but you know, there's, there's your, there's your visual learners, your auditory learners, your kinesthetic learners, majority of your kids, I, you know, the majority of your kids are kinesthetic learners. It's hands-on, it's walk-through, you know, they're not, there's very few of them are getting out. You got to give it to them almost in the video and all that stuff. But a lot of times that is way overrated because very few of your kids learn it by hand in the playbook. You know, here's the handouts. This is what you do. Hey, here's the video and they can see it and do it. I mean, it's, it's less than 10% of your kids. Less than 10% of your kids are getting it through that. You know what I mean? The majority of your kids, you know, these are whatever rough, you know what I mean? You're right. You have to think about those reps you've given in, in the classroom with the video. You have to think about uh, the walkthrough reps and, and how many have been in those arguments with, with coaches before about how many reps for a particular play do you get. And I think also, you know, there's there's the cumulative effect of reps that you get over the course of the season, too. So I might only have six on the script over, you know, overall for a certain call in a week. But, you know, to that point in the season, they might have done that, you know, 150 times already. Right, right, right. No doubt, no doubt. It's like, and those calls are compound, like the compounding effect calls, like our bread and butter calls, you know, the calls that we've been calling since day one. You know, they're not going to get as many reps. They're really not. Why? Because hopefully you compounded those. So the, the calls that get the majority of the reps are the, the new ones, the ones that you're not sure you can get executed. And that's a lot of times what I'm doing in practice. And I'm calling things to find out it's an elimination process. I'm trying to see, can we get this executed during practice? And then I'm, all right, I'm repping it. But then I'm, as we go to, as you get to Thursday, you're crossing things off. That's, that's not good. It's not good. So, yeah. The uh, the walkthrough coach I think is an interesting thing and, and maybe not talked about enough because everybody does walkthroughs and I've been a part of really good ones I've been a part of really bad ones seen really good ones seen really bad ones so what's the key to making sure that that those reps are really maximized that you're doing it the right way what kinds of things do you want to see out of those players what kinds of things do you expect out of your coaching staff Okay I think we uh, from a, what we tried to say is in our walkthroughs. It is, we, we, the terms we say is that this, this is full speed mental reps. Mentality is full speed. We're not walk, we're going to walk through it, but the mentality, communication, alignment, stance, keys is full speed. And that's the biggest part, probably getting across to your kids. Those, if you, the more casual it gets and they're lollygagging around, they're just standing there and talking to the less of the actual rep you're going to get. Right, so we want to get crisp. We want to get lined up. If there's motion, we want to line to the motion. We want to move the motion. We want to communicate it just like that ball is getting ready to get snapped. You know, and you want as much live communication as you can get. Now, that's one part. I think the second part of, of the walkthrough is is getting as many kids reps as possible. So we're in rep situation. We're in walkthrough situation. We like to stack our kids up. So I may have let's just say a corner. I got, I got corner one, two, and three. They're standing right behind each other. Okay. So they are all three getting those reps, you know, and I want them all, they should be, you know, roughly two yards apart from each other, stand up, do the same thing. And then what I tell the coaches to do is make sure during that walkthrough reps, do not have the same guy stand at the front. You know, we want to, we, one for movement, two, to keep them engaged is every, whatever, two reps, literally it's like every one, two, three reps, whatever you decide on off, off the play, what you got, you're scripting it out is have them move. Now the two goes to the first, the one goes to the back, the three steps up. Well, two more reps, two goes to the back, the three steps up, the one's on deck, the two's, behind, two's uh, in the hole. And get as many kids involved as you can. And then, so we will have usually walkthroughs. Our base walkthrough is this. I'll go a coverage adjustment walkthrough, 
right? And it's just linebackers and DBs. And I'll have a front walk through at the other end of the field, maybe the goal line. Usually coverage walks current on 35. The front walks current on the goal line. And the front's the D-line linebackers. And the linebackers always going to have to rotate, all right? They're not going to get all the reps, but they are all going all the time. I can get every line, you know what I mean? So I may have one and two or one and three linebackers at coverage walk, twos and fours in the front walk. And so we'll do it like that. That way, just because the D-line is getting more stuff that just pertains to them, as the season progresses, that turns into a, an inside walk, you know? And then it's not always the same thing. So then next time it could be, hey, we're going to do a a coverage walk and then a pressure walk. So now all 11 are split. And I got whatever ones and threes going on 35 going through coverages, you know, a lot base base calls. I'm talking about zone cover, not pressures. And then they have a pressure walk going on the goal line. And that pressure, that's all we're running is pressure. And versus looks, we need to see the adjustments, the motions, the movements, and we're walking through it, communicating as much as possible. So, and then that walkthrough can change throughout the year, you know. If I'm facing an option team, you know, the coverage walk or the, the usually the DB part of it, that could be the perimeter option part of the scheme. Down here, we're working on the, the inside beer, you know, and or the inside beer, midline, whatever the things happen in the core. And I think being 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 able to change that up, but have a structured plan where they kind of all know where they're going and concepts of what they're doing with this kind of front stuff, or it's going to be pressure. Uh, and then we'll change up throughout the week as we go. Tuesday's walk, Wednesday's walk, Thursday's walk. You know, for us, Thursday's walk's usually been coverage adjustments, and then it's been a, a dying package walk. So trying to split it up once so we get as many kids as reps as possible, get them engaged as much as possible. You know, and not that you talk about the three. Well, get him in rep. You say, well, he's not repping. Well, yeah, but, you know, in week 70 maybe. So get him in there and get him as many reps as possible and get him in a situation where down the line he's either helping you. And I expect a lot of times it's the same thing as high school is in college, you know. It's that freshman, and it's his, his compounding reps. He may be registered this year for us and not, you know what I mean, not playing, but you got to get him those reps. Why? So when he's a, when he's a registered freshman, when he's a sophomore, those compounding reps are paying off. He's going through his process, maybe over a process of a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think that's key. You know, as you're talking about the walkthroughs and, you know, the way you set it up, I think that's that's great as far as the efficiency. I think, you know, what we've seen over time is more and more coaches, and I'm sure you've been there a, a while because I've seen it on the, the higher levels, have been there longer maybe than some of the high schools are, that you can take – a lot of the, the contact, a lot of the banging, a lot of the, you know, the 11 on 11 reps. I mean, you can really limit those to a certain set and, and get what you need in a week without, you know, putting your players in those situations that it has to be full contact all the time. Because a lot of this is about what they're seeing and the decisions they make. I mean, they're still going to have to, and they get some of this in individual, they're still going to have to move fast and execute with their hands and feet, etc. But it doesn't have to be... Uh, two hours of being out there just, you know, banging into each other the whole time. Correct, correct, correct. It shouldn't be. I mean, I think if you're honestly, if you're practicing over two hours, you're probably wasting your time. You know, I, I really do. I mean, I know there's people that do it. And they are very productive. But that's, I, I've always felt that if you're practicing over two hours, you're you're, you're wasting your time. And then the, the, the long haul approach over over a season you know, your kids get wore down a lot faster. So, Coach, I got a, a, a set of these kind of favorite or go-to type of questions here. Coach Chris Lackey asks, what's your favorite run blitz field and boundary, and, and what do you like to, to put behind it as far as the coverage? Yeah. Uh, so I think that kind of goes back to you guys, what's your you know base philosophy, you know. And then so our base – philosophy rundown philosophies is first to make sure coverage wise we're going to be some type of usually eight man front cover three cover one you know low hole high hole all right or some type of quarters fit where we're using one of the safeties in the fit to get us back to the eight man front or using somebody in secondary to get us back to some type of eight man front eight man fit so when you say run call 
um, I'm thinking to myself also first and 10, I'm thinking normal downs, second, you know, I say normal downs, first and 10, second and one to six, normal downs. And those normal downs, uh, so we want to call blitzes or pressures that are in that mix. You know, for a lot of people, that's fire. There you go. There's your fire zone. I haven't been, I'm not a big, I have not been a big fire zone guy, right? But I'm not saying anything wrong with it. I'm saying that that just hasn't been what we have done. Um, so when you're talking run calls, well, not a specific call, but let me tell you just kind of the concept of it. Uh, I like any kind of call. I like, I like pressure calls. One, if it's to stop the run, adding the guy. So non, a non-box player. So I'm talking about it's got to be – so if you're talking in this case, it needs to be a DB blitz, right? Because I, let's say I got six in, I got six in the box – and I want to add the seventh guy to the front, right? That's really I'm trying to add a number. So I'm going to add, I'm going to add in the rundowns, I'm thinking DB pressure, and I like the front getting cut. So uh, whether it be your traditional pirate stunt, whether the three, five or crossing face and bringing a guy off the edge, you know, off of either side to me is probably one of the better ones or the ones I've had probably more success with over the last 15, 20 years. Now we can do that in the back end, and that could be a man call as well, and I can bring it from the tight end side or field side or boundary side, and play man behind it. I'm not as big on man calls and pressure on first and on rundowns because you want zone eyes, you want eyes in in the box to stop the run. So for us, it's been that creeper world. You know, really, it's been creepers. Uh, or I'm bringing a non-traditional fourth rusher and I'm playing cover three behind it. I'm playing type of a zone concept behind it with eyes. We've done the same thing, run that same pressure from the boundary and play man in the boundary and play a quarters concept to the field. Those have been really successful for us. It's a combination call. And uh, so, but it's still the same concept. I'm bringing somebody off the edge and I'm bringing, I'm cutting the front in some way just to help stop the run. I don't know if I got is that good enough or you want more detail. Okay. Yeah, no, that that's good. I think I'm looking through the questions here. It really answers uh, Coach Dallas King's question as well. And you mentioned creepers, and uh, I have some more questions from coaches later. But that certainly has come to the forefront of things that defenses are are liking to do right now. And you know, I know you watch a a lot of high school tape and evaluating kids. And so you probably see some of this stuff as, as you're watching teams doing this, what would be something you say, maybe that, you know, a, a coach might be missing as far as the right way to, to do creepers or things that you see maybe um, aren't exactly handled the right way that uh, you have some advice to, to fix, I guess, some of those common errors you see. Probably more so is I think the confusing world that comes to a lot of people is once you cut the front with a creeper, to where do the backers fit? So getting that right is, and it was a, I mean, it's, it's a thing for me. It took you know, it took years. How are you going to teach this? And it's not in a confusing manner for an eighteen-year-old kid, you know. So that that is probably the cutting edge part of it. I think is how can you teach this? Because everybody, most part of people want to say, "Oh, creepers." For me, it's like most people I talk to, they they automatically are thinking uh, pass. Well, that's the easy part. I mean, that's the easy part. I mean, that's easy. But, but is that really what you're calling it for? I mean, there are, there are, we have, there's like, so we have, and that same uh, pressure is like you say, fire zone, if you're in a fire zone world that you live in, you have run calls and you have pass fire zones. Well, it's the same thing in creeper world. I mean, so you want to know what creepers are you calling on, on rundowns, right? And then those got to be run sound and how they fit the run. Just like you would in a fire zone world, right? And then, so same thing when you get to second and ten, or you get into the third and long. Those you want passed down. You're thinking pass, and you're attacking protection, right? And you may not be as solid in the run game, right? But you got to be sound, which you may not be as solid as you want. Maybe it's out of the too high, you know. And you're you're, you're kind of buying the coverage, buying the, uh, somebody to cut the front, trying to buy a blocker up front that way. But I would think that I think the tough, the toughest part for most people and for in the and in, in the system we do, I know for years in our system, the toughest thing it really is, it's the linebackers. When you're multiple up front and you're multiple in the back end, 
the guys that get the load is the linebackers because they got no front and they got no coverage. Now I can do I can do it for those DBs. We can go, hey, this is the same man. The DB blitzing and rolling the coverage is the same thing. I can do it five different ways up front. But all right, and for the D line, okay, hey. Uh, this don't matter multiple coverages, but it's the same front, so it's same as it's easy. But those linebackers, it's not, and they're they're probably they're the ones in that if you're living that multiple world, they're the ones that gonna you you make you got to make sure the your system of of how you install and how you teaching them is in a way that they can understand. And what I use, I'll be honest, and that's why I usually try to say I coach the backers. It's because a lot of it I'm going off of, uh, you know, how fast we install, what we do. It's where are they at? I'm, I'm really, I'm gauging them. Can they understand it? Do they get it? If they don't get it, well then, okay, that goes on the back burner, you know, because they're the ones that are caught in, they're, they're, they're playing both the front and the back. And uh, they're the ones I, I traditionally feel they're the ones that got the biggest load mm-hmm. on them. We get back to some of our questions and appreciate that answer. Uh, Coach Adam Harvey, he's in Texas, wants to know what five-man pressure has been solid versus 11-20 personnel, and what have you avoided due to the extra gap offenses have created with that look? And he, he, had, he had parentheses here, highway versus relay. Well, so you think he's saying 11 personnel, highway relay. So he's talking about that movable eight, eight gap. That is it coming back across? Is it staying front side? You know, so you're really talking in that world if you want to play it. Then you use those five man pressure, eight man front. So I'm thinking again, it is man, and how are you going to get this thing adjusted, adjusted out? Uh, there's two things I think when you call them that. I think uh, one, well, the first one is what are they doing? You know, is it is a split zone power world? Is the you know what I'm saying relay? He's off the ball. He's coming back across. So that's usually traditionally is a split zone look. If he's tighter on the front call and he's down blocking, whether it be the same side zone or the back and tight same side zone, or whether that be the old traditional power to that tight end side, right? To the down calls, if you can package them, it's the best thing in the world. You know, say hey, if, if you know. Hey, if the tight end's tight to the ball, and we're going to run a, we're going to we're going to blitz the Y, we're going to pressure the Y. Why? Because that's where the ball's coming, right? And, and I'm talking about the same thing with a bring a DB off the edge, uh, maybe a pirate the front, and here we go. We're going to hit the power in the face, and we're going to cut the front up. And then if he's relayed, he's off the ball, and he's coming back across. And you got two ways to do it. Do you want to? Hit it on the front side of where the deep, where he is going, so you put some really away from the Y. You know, so you could do that. I don't know if you, you know, I mean, depending on what you know, like I said, loves, you know, what your kids can handle. Hey, the Y's on the ball, it's tight. We're coming, we're blitzing to the Y. Hey, he's off the ball. We relay, relay, relay. We know we're blitzing away from the Y. And you may have the same blitz and you run, you know, it could be just an eight man front and you bring one of the, the field side safety to the Y. Or if it's relayed off the ball, you're bringing the boundary side safety away from the Y. I mean, that's a that's a pretty basic one to do. Or there's another thing, like I said, are they more of a, a GT team? Are they a, G, a GTY or a GY counter? If they're a GT, GY counter, I think those those two same blitzes work. Any two off an edge is going to create a major problem for GT and GY, whether you're hitting it from the front side or you're running it down from the back side. Either way, that's that's probably our number one go-to on GYGT teams. But the other one that's trying to get mistaken sometimes is just just an A gap plug, you know. So just if I was thinking I'm in a four-two system, you know, I'm in a four-two box, and the the tight end is, we say, if the tight end is off the ball, he's tucked on, and we're thinking relay. Okay, we're going to bring the backer to the side of the Y for the GY play or for the split zone. All right, so I'm going to fire the A gap off the center off that back, that backer to the one to the side of the Y. Okay, if the guy if he is on the ball or he is tucked tight enough where he can't come across highways where he's communicating it right highway on the ball, we would want to bring the backer away from the Y. 
Why? So they went away from the why because if they're if he's on the ball on highway, traditionally you got power, so you got G, you got to have a Y pole, a G pole, on the backside. Or if they go, usually with that set, they'll get in college you get a lot of that gun weak where the back is set away from the tight end, and it's the stretch or it's the pin and pull, and you want that backside backer being able to run through that window. So we do have calls that that's exactly that. It's a back plug. And it's off the Y. If he on the ball, it would be the backer away from him. If he's off the ball, it would be the backer to him. Well, okay, so those are definitely things that would give me headaches, trying to run either the, those counters or getting that backside backer through on uh, the pin and pull. I ran both of the pin and pull and stretch at times. And, yeah, that'll get you if, if you're not ready for that guy. Definitely causes some problems for the offense. Brady Gravehold. Wanted to had a couple questions here. Wanted to know what's the best things you do in the red zone to limit points scored? Tackle the guy with the ball. No. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, I think one of the best things to do, you know, in the red zone, one is the first thing, let me say, is, is, is eliminate mistakes down there. Right? So our menu kind of gets pretty specific. If anything, it kind of gets tightened down. You know, you'll see us call in the red zone the same calls throughout the year. Why? I do not want a mistake. This is not, if you make a mistake, it's seven points. Turn a guy loose, it's seven points. You don't fit it right, seven points. Right? So the menu gets cut, number one. Okay? Two, obviously, what do you got? You know, we kind of go to extremes. I think when you get in the red zone, it's two things I'm thinking. I'm, I'm usually thinking either. One of extreme. I'm thinking we're pressuring or I'm playing coverage. That could be rush three, drop eight, or I'm coming after, but with six man pressure. You know, so it's usually like one of two extremes. And then a lot of that's going to change on what's the down of distance in the red zone. Is it first and 10 in the red zone? Is it second long in the red zone? Is it third long in the red zone? And then obviously what they do. Same thing, but primarily a lot of those call, all of your calls kind of turn into man. Either way you put it, I don't care. In the red zone, you can call a zone call, but you better, you still got to get tight. So within your zone, you got to be able to hug the people up and get all them tight. Another comment I would think, I think in the red zone, there's, there's two big things I think you got to go stop, right? You got to stop the, 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 the gift routes, the, that just to give me the access throws, you know, you can't give them a five yards down there, you know, where you can back on the minus 25, you can get, you know, I mean, he wants to stand up and throw a hitch. Okay. Our bubble route and he gets four yards, you know, I mean, you're not going to die, you know, but down there, once you get inside the 20, I mean, five yards is pretty big and crucial. So you got to tighten it. You got to tighten the coverage. Don't give them the gifts. Don't give them, Backs in the flats. You got to make sure you always leverage in the back in the red zone with your calls. How are you getting them done? And then, uh, like I said, and the biggest thing is probably is I try to I try to live in the extremes. You ain't gonna get you ain't gonna get. We're either gonna be all in or coming after him. And I'm trying to see if if the quarterback can make a decision to get the ball out fast because that's what you want. You want the ball to come out. You want it to come out now. So it's not down the field and, and have people on it so you can get the ball down. Moving along here, and, and all those things really make sense in the, in the red zone because those, again, things that coaches are looking for right away and you're taking them away. But Coach flips to – Coach Brady Gravold here flips to off-season study. And I like this question. What, what's the order of importance in the off-season for the breakdown categories that you're studying? We usually start off-season study again with – as we go through the season, I usually put a, a hub, a sheet on my computer, and I'm creating, and at one, there's an issues page. There's anything that I, as we go through the season, that takes a lot of time, questions, or I don't feel real good about it. I mean, I mean, our answer, I'm like, hmm, I may need to have another answer to that. But during the season, not the best time. You got to do what you do. You know, this, well, this is what our answer is right now. But I may need to have another one. So as we go through the season, I try to jot. Not, I'll, 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 I'll bullet them and just, I just put it down there, you know. Hey, inverted wing into the boundary. Boom. Uh, could be, you know, whatever. 
uh, four to side bullet motion, you know what I mean? Four to side cluster combination, um, you know, flood route, you know, versus this coverage to do. And I'll just put them there. So when the season's over with, I have an issues page. These are issues I just saw from the season. Rather than you going back and trying to remember them all. Okay. So there's one thing. So when I'm done, I have an issues page that I'm that that, that I know that I person I am going to ask people what do they do versus this. But as far as the self scout goes, you know, we kind of go through. It's really I, I usually start by coverage, by front, and then by coverage. You know, it seems like in the last couple of years we have not had the time to do the self scout the way I wanted you know do it. And it's really hard when you change jobs and you kind of lose a year of that. But we would start by coverage, and then you just kind of we would obviously sort our calls by coverage, go through the coverages, you know, and and just thumb through them real fast and see issues and break them self scout that way by coverage. Then we go by front, go back down through fronts, and just watching the film. But as opposed to what to study, I'll go in like uh, I'll have our guys do a uh, sort it. Like, give me the, you know, so I want to know when we come out, all right, what's the top formation we saw last year in 11 personnel? You know, how many four opens did we see? Normal downs. How many four opens did we see in third long? What's the top uh, 12 personnel formations we saw? All right, so we'll kind of do a formation personnel, uh, basically a formation look. I'm kind of sorting it through is exactly what I thought, or, whoa, we saw that a lot more times than I, than I, than I remember. And then, you know, we'll obviously do a, a coverage one and say, you know, pl- big plays. We'll do a big play cut. So I want to know, like, so we'll say any run plus six, any passive, you know, plus 16. And we'll say, hey, give me all the plays. And what were they against? So I want to know, oh, hey, man, we gave them a lot of big plays. And, man, we got almost, where's, where's the commonality on this thing? So you're just being able to QC yourself that way. But it would start with formation, uh, personnel, formation, big plays, you know. But uh, then what would I study would be, again, if we saw an issue, then I would port that out into a, to a study, you know. All right. Oh, hey, we got a lot of man. Oh, let me go back. We got a lot of cluster outs in man calls. Well, the chances are they knew you were a man. That's why they called the cluster. So, all right, so you you had a tendency, right? I think all these things going to before you start creating studies. How would it know? Like we do during the season, you know, as we go through it too, every couple of weeks we're pulling up and saying, what's our number one? I, use, I do my coverage because we're so multiple front. So um, first and 10, what's our number one? What's our what's our ranking? What's a by percentage? What's the ranking of coverages? How many times we're playing three? How many times we're playing quarters? How many times we're playing? Man, how many times? You know, third and long. You know, what, what's our lead coverage? You know, what, what are we calling the most? What's the second? What's the third? Where do I need to change things up? You know, hey, they're scouting me too, so they know. Hey, third and long, our number one coverage is this. All right, so they're calling coverages to beat that. So, all right, so you got to, that's where you want to create your, your answers from. So studies would all come off of, usually off of that. We do that first, and then I say, hey, this is what we're going to study. Whether I want to study different ways to play zone on third and long. You know, maybe we've got to add some zone calls on third and seven to ten. Maybe we've got to add some man calls on, th- on first and ten. Maybe we've got to add some, uh, well, I saw a ton of 12 personnel. Do we, we need to add some 12 personnel calls to our menu. What did we get? We got 12 personnel runs. So do I need to find ways to pressure 12? Then I'm doing a study on how, how do people pressure 12 personnel? Um, so I think it starts with every year. You got to go back to yourself scouts and what you did. And then, then cause it's all about what you see. And then what did, and then you do your study off of that. The other thing I would say on, you know, on studies is sometimes, sometimes we don't do, and defensively, I think it's real important. And we've done this for years. So, is that I talk to coordinators from other conferences, other leagues, right? Because in, in our league, all right, you may see certain things. But in the other league, they had other issues. Well, the offense does this. And then, so what your offensive guys are studying in the offseason, so what they go over there and say, oh, this is really successful for, for Minnesota. In the Big Ten, this was a hot, this is really productive. 
because a lot of them are copycats. So the, if you may not see it this year, but if it was an issue in another conference, you're probably going to see it next year. So how do you stay above that is you've got to study what was effective in other conferences, you know? Um, so do you, I don't know if you guys got PFF, uh, if not, you know, the PFF, you can do a lot of studies right now. It's, 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 it's amazing in college. You have that, what you can do. I can study any conference, NFL, all the way down to FCS, anything that's out there down in distance, I can study it. If not, the easiest than the old school method, what we did before, for years was you, you called people in other conferences and said, what do you see? What issues did you see this year? And he'd tell you the issues and you'd say, oh, wow, I didn't see that. You know, what'd you do to it? You know, I don't know. And then you, you try to get together with a couple of buddies and try to find what's the, how do you, how do you stop this? How do you defend this? That's right. What's the best call for this? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, and I kind of have seen an acceleration of that this year. And, and there were three of us, myself, Charlie Coiner, who coached college ball in the NFL. And then my assistant here at USA football is actually an assistant with the Browns now. And so, you know, we were just doing it on our own. We were watching games, all kinds of games. We come back after the weekend and say, what'd you see? And, and, you know, we would talk about it on a, a, a podcast. And what was interesting is as the season got going, we would find plays run, you know, in one place or defenses run in one place now pop up somewhere else. Like we saw as an example, I think it was like Week one of the NFL season, saw a little RPO play from a bunch set from the Browns with, with some motion, and a couple weeks later, Ohio State runs the same thing in the same situation. So I think now, you know, where years ago, you know, you saw maybe those, you know, few games that were on TV over the course of a weekend, and now it's it's not just what's on TV. It's like the Internet has blown that up. So guys are going to places and, and finding different ideas in season right now so probably that you know some of that adjustment has to be accelerated a little bit oh yeah you have to i mean because right now on a on a whatever i mean you can say during the season i could pull up on a sunday and like i said i said pff has made this really easy to do but i can sort out and say hey give me all the successful third seven to ten calls in the nfl this week boom i can have them all I mean, I can watch through a 35-play cut-up, boom, 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 boom. Here they are. And a lot of offensive guys are doing that, and they're finding plays throughout the season. And then you're going to see it, and then it's going to show up. That's why I think it's real crucial for coaches. I think it's real crucial for coaches, and DCs, DCs especially, is you need to have a networking system of two or three guys that are not in your conference that you can share with, that you can get on the phone with during the season, out of the season that you can call on a Sunday night and say, Hey, I'm seeing this. What are you, what are you doing? You know, what's the answer to this? You've got to have a networking system of somebody you can get on the phone and, and ask and, and kind of brainstorm with. I think that applies really to any position coach to, to position to head coach. I know, right, yeah. especially as a, a head coach, sometimes you, you know, when you get you get to that position, even at the high school level, you're kind of you're you're in a different level of of what's happening in your life and the things you deal with than some of your assistants. And probably one of the best things that happened to me, I coached our state all star game and made a couple friends from from that who shoot for years. Then it was it was almost daily during the week, just even for a few minutes, checking in with each other and troubleshooting ideas. But you know. You don't do that, obviously, around your conference. So to have that network, I think whether you're a coordinator, a position coach, a head coach, that'll help you a lot during the season. Tremendously. Tremendously. Yep, I agree. So uh, a question on tackling here. What's the number one thing emphasized when you teach tackling? Mm. Number one? Um, I mean, well, I think uh, I think everything – if I can say it one, it would be the approach. You know, I think uh, uh, making sure that I'm in position to finish the thing. You know, I don't think things have changed that much. You know, uh, I remember, you know, 30 years ago when I started, we preached, you know, was tackling was 10% fundamentals and 90% desire, you know, and that was kind of the, you know, the catchphrase I kind of used all the time. But um, that doesn't mean you don't work the fundamentals. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really about his desire to get the guy on the ground. So 
I think it's still the same is I got to work the approach and the leverage of the guy and his feet work. And where does he get him in the best part, get him in a position to make the play, you know? So we probably spend more time on, on that than anything. Are you inside out? Are you squared up? Are you outside in? How are you going to approach this thing? Where's the leverage going to be? Is it two on one? Is it a vice tackle situation? Uh, is it knowing that it's in the box? Is it chest up? So we kind of go chest up. Everything's really a chest up or a vice tackle, you know, um, and whether you're bison with the sidelines or you're bison with the body, another body. So, and the approaches each one of those and the angles, you know, that occur, you know, they're not all, I can remember myself, 90, I mean, 30 years ago, uh, myself, you know, coaching tackling, what'd you do it every day? We did tackling was the guy was straight up on us. We were 10 yards from the ball carrier. You sprinted five, you came to balance, you shuffled your feet, squared up tackling guy. Yeah. But that ain't the way it happens. <laughs> I mean, that's just not, I mean, that's just not it, you know? So changing that angle and putting the back here and coming from an inside out position, coming from outside in position, coming from, you know, simulating, uh, it's a, uh, you got the back on the swing. Here he is, it's out using the sideline. Um, there's my buddy is two on one, zone call. Here we go. You're the, 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 the curl and the hook and the flat defender. Boom, we're vicing the guy, you're vicing on the sidelines. Yeah, but I, I, if in one word, I would say the approach, and that encompasses the angle and what type of tackle is this? Is it one on one? Is it two on one? Um, is it like I said? Now so we classify them trap, being a flat defender inside out, being a, is it an alley tackle? Uh, I mean, it's a trap being outside in, an alley tackle inside out, like your true free safety. Um, all those are different situations, and so those are the approaches we work. Coach, we're starting to see a resurgent in in the uh, the heavy personnel. You know, whether that's twenty two or thirty two, and Coach Kelly and a Coach Keegan Hill said, you know, what do you like to do against that thirty two personnel? Thirty two. I haven't seen a lot of. We have not seen a lot of thirty two. I just really haven't seen. Them. I had to go back. That's probably more situational right, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. line, but uh, I'd say 20, 22, yeah. 32, you know, some heavy stuff. Here's the thing. All right. So, will it be 22 or 32? Well, usually, I'll start with 22. 22, usually you're talking, you're, you're, you got two options. Really. You're going to be in sort of a man with your corners locked up and you're, you know, and so you got 10 defenders to, to get in the box, you know. A lot of that comes on. Or, or you're going to zone it and play two over one out here, and I got nine. You know, am I going to man him or am I going to zone him? And what kind of threat? I, I was sort of, what kind of threat's that Z? <laughs> you know, do they have any threat of throwing the football in this situation? Is there any type of threat here? So, because for years, you know, 22 32, we went to man, usually some type of bare front, blitz the crap out of, you know, blitz a ton out of them, but go get the situation. The issue with that, or not the only issue, I mean, it's great. And those calls were, were fantastic for us. But if all you ever have is a man call in 22 or 32, uh, what are you going to do for the ones that are getting in man and he's a, and, and they have a Z out there that you can't cover? You know, so you, and to me, you have to have, I, I'm going to stick with it. We're going to have the man calls. But I'm going to get in some type of, they use a five-man front. They use not a six. So, I mean, in the 90s, we did a lot. Of, the 6-2 was, was great. And I, so there's a lot of merit to that. But traditionally, I'm mean, going to usually get some of the five-man front, bare front somewhat, whether they shade the nose or don't shade the nose, all that stuff, depending on what kind of runs they're doing. But traditionally, it's going to be some of the bare front, man coverage, load the box, stop the run. And then some type of zone, where I can get a guy and get a safety over the top of that guy to defend that guy. Now, for us, usually that 22 personnel, I mean, to me, to zone it, because there's no sense to zone the whole field. I would, it would be some type of, maybe a you know, pressure and trap that Z, play half over top of that Z, right? So we're talking about traditionally, you're kind of, uh, 
your your two your two deep fire zones, right? Where I'm playing uh, four under two deep and being able to get two on top of that Z, uh, 22 personnel. 32 personnel, they're all in that box. We're going to load it down. Now, it's usually man. Because um, I think one thing, when they, like, when they bring them all down there, one, the lanes get smaller, all that stuff. There's not a whole lot of options for throwing the football. So the only thing you got to we're going to man it up. We just got to make sure we can defend all the flood route concepts out of it, 32. You know, it's usually going to be the fullback to the flat, some type of kick, ISO, smash combination with the tight end and the, the two, the, the YY combo. Uh, and so how can you get that guy leveraged to the flat and not be somebody in the box, have that fullback? Cause that's where people killed you for years. I know it's stressful. I think within the nineties, uh, 32 personnel get you to pack you in there, play man. And then there's going to power pass, put the fullback to the flats and dump in the ball. You know what I mean? Put the set, put the Y on, on a corner route, pick the tight, tight end, picks the inside backer, run the fullback to the flats and dump in the ball. Okay, so how are you going to stop that play? That's, I mean, that's really because with the emergence of 32 coming back, the guys are trying to get in those. those and in colleges, they're more of it's kind of you're looking at 32, but it's going to be different ways. You know what I mean? And maybe 22 with a tight that does a Z is that guy, and they're motioning back and forth, and they're, they're going to stop the motion right there at that tight end wing spot to get a faster guy on a seven cut, but still create that same kind of dilemma, you know? Um, and so you got to figure out how you're going to handle the guy to flat, you know? So are you going to, are you going to combo that? Or are you going to be able to push that across with the outside defender? You know, and then you got a problem with that is, okay, who, you're not going to put a backer on the tight end, run a seven cut. You're not going to win that battle. So how are you going to push that across to get that fullback covered? Are you going to do it sometimes be creative? And uh, we use a lot of times we'll get the, the end man line of scrimmage. We'll just boom, peel it and take them. Right. Cause it goes back to the red zone calls. Our number one thing at 30 in at red zone is do not let them fill the bolt full, the running back in the flats. Cause that is like the easiest route possible in football. You know, and that's the first thing we always talk about is we're not letting them throw the running back in the flats. That's not going to occur. You know, if you're going to throw the, I was kind of changing topics, but in the red zone, let me just say, is that when we get down there and tight, and it's kind of going to goal line stuff, is they should, or you want to make them have to throw the football in the middle of the field, right? Goal post, like there's traffic. Make them make that throw. Make them make them throw on the back pylon. You know, everybody worries about the back, the goal line fade and all stuff, but that's the hardest throw. You know, make them make the pylon throw. Make them throw the ball in the middle of the field. Do not let them stand up and throw the ball to the flats. That's, and don't get them in a bunch route and let them run a combo pick and, run, and throw three to the flat and just dump it out there and walk in the zone, you know. Um, so I kind of get off topic a little bit. But 32 personnel, I would say, you know, hey, hey, here they come, 32, and it's smash mouse. It's third and one, you know. We're going to load the box, usually some type of bear combination. Um I will tell you this, in the middle of the field, I really like this. And uh, in those condensed formations is bringing pressure and running the eyes pressure, two under, and those condensed sets. So, I mean, it could turn into a six-man pressure. Uh, and however, any of your six-man pressures, I, know, I think it's kind of People say, oh, hey, uh, eyes, uh, Michigan State kind of made it famous, but it was before, it was way before there. First time I got it, I think it was 93 or 4, Ohio State was running it. And we got it from them. And um, it's that 3D, 200, six man. Any of your six man zero calls, any of your six man pressures, whether you're playing zero, um, you know, blitz coverage, zero, you know, no, no post, you can play eyes coverage with, which is 3D, two underneath and play that coverage. And it's great versus those condensed sets where they pack everybody in the box. You know, whether that's a 4-2 double A gap blitz, whether that's a 5-1 mic plugging, you know, through the A, whether that's a 5 down uh, bringing a, a 6 DB off the edge to the Y, away from the Y. Uh, whether it be some type of exotic, you know, again, how you're cutting the front up, or it could be a could be a free safety, Mike, no, A, B, blitz, right up the gut. 
um, and playing eyes coverage behind it. I, I really like those out in the middle field versus those condensed sets. Would it be 22 or 32. I think the, eye, the eyes coverage is, a, is, a, is an answer for that. Yeah. This is good stuff. Okay. I, I got a couple more questions here for you, Coach. Okay. And, you know, yep. uh, running up, running up against time, so I want to be uh, careful of that. But uh, these are from uh, Josh Linham, Coach Yankus, and Brian Nix, and all these really have to do with the four eyes. And thinking of you know these guys, their drops, their rushes. What's the most efficient way to call and teach defensive ends where to drop in in creepers? And, and the other other one that really came up was, you know, how do you coach them to be effective in their pass rush from that tight or mint, mint front? Uh, first of all, dropping. So for us is who who is that guy? You know, so if he's a he's your traditional first and ten, you're, he's your normal guy, first and ten, bigger body. I'm I'm saying he's not a athletic drush drop guy you know what i mean that's I, that's probably the proposed question because you know how do you teach him when he's not that athletic on your feet guy i think you gotta limit what he does right so the way we would control it is if i was in base personnel and i've got a an, uh whatever an end that is not a real athletic guy i know i'm only calling creepers where he drops to the strong hook, right? That's the only one. And when he, when I'm coming from this side and he's got to drop, he's only got to do like one thing or maybe, you know, get to where he does two things. He can rush and drop the strong hook or it's a man creeper and he's got to drop and he's got, he's just got to back out to his side, you know, two things, bam, it's done. Right. If, I got the third and long and I wanted to get to my other things. Right. I would, I would change personnel. I would, we would sub it out and I would put a backer into that spot. Right. So when I could rush him, yep. Right. But when I drop, I have a multitude of coverages I can run now because he knows how to do them. You know, so I don't have to teach that big guy everything. You know, one, because, I mean, do you really want the big guy zone dropping on third and nine? You know what I mean? No, you if he's, he's up front for a reason and he's there to play pass rush, you know? So send him. And if you want to play, and the easiest way to handle that is I just have a different personnel group and I call it whatever, wherever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Hey, we got base personnel. We got, uh, we got rabbits and rabbits is a, it's a the DB the linebacker comes in, taps that guy out. And, and, and now when he drops and you want to play your two high coverages, he can do that. When you want to play a man match coverage, he can do that. When you do whatever you want to play with, he can understand. He already knows the coverages cause he's in the box doing them. And then you tell him it's the same as you were back here doing it. You're just going to do it from the line of scrimmage. That's how I would, kind of, that's how I would kind of control that. Don't give them a bunch of stuff to do cause they'll spin their heads and then they get, they get, get nothing out of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, personnel solves that. You know, being being flexible with them. They don't have to do everything. Find the guy who could do what you need done. Four eyes pass rush. First of all, it's one, I, I, I mean, I'm beyond, I mean, I, you know, I, we run, I'm tight front guy and four eyes and we're doing that where you cut tight or man or whatever else. But uh, you're not going to get much pass rush off the four eye. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know how you can tell them to, to be real productive and rush from a four eye position. So if you're, when you're playing, so for us, I'm not, I mean, I'm playing that in a, in first and 10 situations, I'm playing it in a rundown call. So what usually is it? It is something where he's going to have to transition to a pass rush. It's not going to be, he's in a four eye. It's third and seven and he's teed up and rushing, you know, at that, I need to call something, get him in a five technique. I don't need to do, I mean, that he's rushing from a disadvantaged position. That's, this is not going to be very productive. So most of the time it's a, it's a run pass situation. And he's in a four-eye, and he's going to have to transition to a pass rush. Two ways to teach that guy, I think. So uh, it, traditionally, it's what four-eye, bam, I play the run four-eye, or I start to rush through the four-eye. I see the pass, and I convert, and we talk about cop, contain, on pass. So I'm going to four-eye rush, power rush through the four technique, and then I'm going to convert outside for a late contain. Okay? 
when you do that, he's not going to be a very effective pass rusher unless he's just better than that other guy. You know, um, the other one you can do it. And I think it's, it's good is if you got a guy just tell him a four eye and rush through the four eye and be and power rush the tackle, right? And then just mean don't don't cop, right? Don't cop if you can if you can contain and push the pocket through the, him and inside and the quarterback steps up, then you just come off and make the play. If he if he breaks contain, then get your butt outside and go get his tail pulled up, you know? Because what happens a lot of times in the four eye rush is that you, you tell him he rushes and then he cops. And what happens is they're doubling your nose in line of scrimmage. You got a guy outside, the tackles are setting him because he's not in a speed rush position. So he's no no vertical threat to the tackle. Right? So what you got is you have this big old throwing lane for the quarterback, and it's like he's throwing scale. And in in scale, the average completion rate is eighty percent. So if you play that in in third and long, you're lending your act that he's basically throwing routes on air. I mean, he's he's basically there throwing scale again with no pass rush. The quarterback's going to be extremely productive. He's going to have time. He's got no pressure in his face. He's going to step up in the pocket. He's going to be pretty. He's going to be pretty. Uh, uh, pretty high percentage completion rate. So my, my answer to that is you're in a four eyes. I mean, if it's past, you probably need to get out. I don't think the tight, the tight front or mid front was not meant to defend the pass. It's meant to defend in tight zone, you know, inside run plays. That's what it's for. Yeah. I, I mean, you hit it right. Like on, on the other side of the ball, when we would look at protections every week, we really wanted to do a, a sword or, 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 protect things up where we could create that lane and turn it into a seven on seven for the quarterback yeah. you know, and, and, and have that picture from behind, you know, we'd show our line and we'd take a lot of pride in that. Like, look at this, man, this, this is like seven on seven for this guy. He's good in seven on seven. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, I was just saying, I think a lot of guys in that is that I see young coordinators getting us world is they want that, that one call answer for first and 10 second, uh, you know, run uh, second and 10 and third and seven. Well, those aren't all the same situation. I, I, I think you're, I mean, here's our struggle. If I'm saying I'm, my call is going to be tight four and I'm running out first and 10. Right. Um, okay. Second and 10. I'm still calling tight four. Hey, third and nine. I'm calling tight four again. I think you're, I think you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle to rush the quarterback. Unless I just have two dominant four eyes that can just whip people's tail. If you can do that, well, call whatever you want because you're going to win. Yeah, you got to have a right tool to do the job. Right, right, right. Well, Coach, I, I really appreciate you taking the time here. And for our coaches out there, I know you're at Ron Roberts FB on Twitter. You have Ron Roberts. I think it's RonRobertsFootball.com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that. Well, that's kind of a, a yeah. That's more of a, a, a business side. There, my actual one, Coach Ron Roberts, is uh, my personal one that I use. Yeah, and RonRobertsFootball.com is something that I've Kind of, I had a web. There was a website, RonRobertsFootball.com, and uh, uh, that we started for some. Actually, it was for, you know, a while back, uh, just putting information out there. I haven't been very as active as I would like to be in the last couple of years on that, but we're fixing to pick that up. Well, Coach, again, I appreciate the time. Thanks for sharing all those ideas with him. And thanks for our listeners too for uh, all the great questions we have and. Uh, we're going to continue to put some great content out here from some great coaches. And, uh, Coach, it was great to have you as part of that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And, and good luck to everybody. If I can ever help in any way, let me know. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review 
on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.